Manna or Meatloaf, Episode 60, The Parent with All the Answers. Hello, hello. I'm so excited. Honestly, I'm so excited to be back. And as much as I needed a break from the production of these episodes, I realized just how much I missed my intentional focus on the things that helped me. And in doing so, I hopefully encourage support and uplift you. I'm so happy to be here and feel totally recommitted to doing what I feel like my Heavenly Father wants me to do to help build His kingdom in this small way. So we've been having a wonderful summer, vacationing and playing with family a lot. I hope you've been doing the same. My mind has been filled with a lot of thoughts, ideas, and impressions. And the one that I'd like to address today is the one that I've been considering a lot lately. And one that I see my children wading through right now, it's mom guilt. Anybody out there have mom guilt? It's such a real thing. Although its definition obviously applies to mothers... Dads are not to be excluded as part of the team of parents, so because I'm sharing my experiences, each time I refer to mom guilt, I want you to know that I'm not overlooking the tremendous pressure that can come with dad guilt. So what if we just agree to think of parenting guilt every time I mention mom guilt, okay? (laughs) Now you may wonder why I, as an empty nester, would feel mom guilt, When your kids are still in your home and you're teaching and shaping them day in and day out, I know what that feels like. You're sometimes so close to the forest that you can't see the trees, so to speak. I remember feeling completely exhausted with the daily tasks that I faced in serving and caring for the needs of young ones and teenagers. The never-ending needs of multiple humans always just made me feel like I was falling short at the end of the day. You could never accomplish enough, right? And that can seem crushing at times. I remember, like I said, those crazy busy days. Unfortunately, We can never escape the results of our influences or shortcomings as parents. And when your children are adults, you get to see with clarity where all those efforts paid off and where they fell short. Therein lies the mom guilt. So last week's Come Follow Me lesson that included the study of Doctrine and Covenants section 68 makes it easy to understand why moms and dads can feel this guilt so heavily sometimes when we read in verse 25, quote, And again, inasmuch as parents have children in Zion or in any of her stakes which are organized that teach them not to understand the doctrine of repentance, faith in Christ, the Son of the living God, and of baptism, and the gift of the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands when eight years old, the sin be upon the heads of the parents." End quote. And in verse 28, quote, and they shall also teach their children to pray and to walk uprightly before the Lord. End quote. Although we can all recognize the truth in those scriptures, that truth can seem incriminating at pointing out our already highlighted insecurities about the daunting task, can't it? Despite our best efforts, there will be those days that your kids have three balanced meals, three balanced meals of cold cereal. Your house is a mess and the kids match the chaos. You've yelled too, too many times, and there will be days that the TV and the devices win, and it's hard not to worry that you're not doing enough, or you're not doing it right, or fearing that you're just plain messing up your kids. The sacred stewardship of parenting that President Ezra Taft Benson reminded us would be the most important work we would ever do. We want desperately to do our best at. I wish I'd been more consistent, 
We tried, but never really mastered daily scripture study or family home evening or family prayer. We had spells we'd do it for a bit, but unfortunately, the stretches of absence of those very important things far outweighed our steady habits. I hope our kids do better at teaching their children those things. I could have done a lot better at teaching them to work. I remember my mom telling us as young adults that sometimes it was just easier to do the work for us than to fight us to get our jobs done. And now I know exactly where she was coming from. Also, my love language is service or acts of kindness. And so doing things for my kids was a way to show them how much I loved them. So when they'd come home from a long day of school and practices, I knew they'd have lots of homework and I didn't want to burden them with a long chore chart. Don't get me wrong. We had our chore charts. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We had so many of them complete with bright colors and stickers and rewards but I end up crediting their dad for teaching them what hard work looks like. And I hope our kids do better at teaching their children that same lesson. I wish I would have. I could have done more. I should have been. You can see how thoughts like these can lead you straight down the rabbit hole of discouragement and sometimes debilitating guilt. So what can we do to redirect our thoughts? There were so many things I came up with from my own personal experiences and research from the experts that are helping me work through some of my own mom guilt, and I hope they help you. They are all summarized by three points. Number one, listen to your mom heart or your dad heart. Number two, listen to and connect with your child. And number three, listen to God the parent with all the answers. So number one, listen to your parent heart. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I believe with my whole heart the words to the song, the family is of God. God gave us families to help us become who he wants us to be. I truly believe we've been given the families we have for a very specific purpose. We were supposed to be our children's parents. God knew we would sometimes be impatient, distracted, unhappy, and demanding, but the children in our care will learn what they need to learn from us, or I don't believe they'd be with us. I don't know, maybe they won't learn from us after all, but maybe that's part of the lesson. I believe we inherently have the tools we require to meet the specific needs of our specific children, and if we don't, we can gain or learn them, or I don't believe they'd be ours. Why do you think that only we can discern the specific cry of our babies or the indiscernible garble from our toddler? I choose to believe that God grants us the mantle of parenthood specific to the children we've been blessed with. So trust your mother or father heart. Number two, listen to and connect with your child. I realized then and certainly see now that every mistake or shortcoming I had as a mom could have been corrected with a connection. I felt really close to all of my kids, like we had a really good individual connection overall. But in the individual moments and challenges, I can see how I could have done better to remember that. For example, if I was overly tired and irritable from a fussy baby, and my five-year-old was acting out because he or she wasn't getting the attention or comfort they needed, instead of responding with anger or sharpness because of their incessant pleadings, and probably plopping them down in front of a show or giving them a toy to distract them, I can see how connecting physically and emotionally and giving them all my attention could have made all the difference. Now, I can see some of you moms going, whatever, there sometimes just isn't a way to do that. But a physical hug 
An apology, an explanation, and a question like, what are you feeling, sweetie? Or is there something you'd like to do together, just you and me, when daddy comes home? You might get a lot of mileage out of questions like these as they prompt a child to realize you're paying attention. Almost every conflict can be resolved with connection that begins with physical touch and is encouraged by questions and attention to those answers. It's been said that having a parent who listens creates children who believe they have a voice that matters. That's why I tried to tuck my kids into bed every night. That was the time at the end of the day that I got to really connect with them and make up for any unmet needs. I did soft tickles and asked all kinds of questions and gave them my undivided attention. I feel like we really connected during those times. And remember, this is so, so important, this part. You can't connect if you are disconnected. Now, this can be key because so many times when we're frustrated, overwhelmed, stressed out, or a myriad of any other negative emotions, one of human nature's less than desirable coping strategies is to distract ourselves from the feelings of those emotions. That way we don't have to feel them because guess what? They don't feel good. We don't want to feel them. The brain is absolutely brilliant that way, right? It's a protective mechanism that can sometimes be helpful under the right circumstances, but most often just adds to the problem when you're dealing with family. Okay, I know I'm going to get some real pushback from this one, but let's talk about the obvious. What would you say is our biggest distraction today? If you said your cell phones or devices... I'd have to agree with you. There are multiple studies that suggest that Americans unlock their phones an average of 100 to 150 times a day. Now, whether that's to check the time or just to send a text or Google a fact, each interaction can cause stress. Now, you may not believe that because so many of us go to our phones to get away from the stress. But the research is overwhelmingly obvious. While our devices are very useful, they can actually cause us more stress than they relieve. So in this article that I found that was written for UC Health by Susan Cunningham, titled The Hidden Stress of Cell Phones, she explains, quote, It might be said we are addicted to being distracted, according to Victoria Strohmeyer, a registered psychotherapist with UC Health at Yampa Valley Medical Center. When you check your phone or hear an alert, you activate your sympathetic nervous system, the part of your body that's always scanning the environment. It gives you a little shot of adrenaline for every interaction. That adrenaline, which is meant to trigger your body to pay attention, sets off a cascade of chemicals that increases heart rate, pulse, and muscle tension, and shunts energy from the brain to the muscles. It will take 5 to 30 minutes for your body to get back to baseline after every one of these alarms, Strohmeyer says, which is a real problem in a world where cell phones rarely stop. She continues, Essentially, people don't ever come back down to baseline. We have one stress after another after another. All that stress wreaks havoc on the body and mind, causing or contributing to a range of diseases, from heart disease and depression to sleep deprivation and chronic fatigue, end quote. It's a little bit hard to hear, isn't it? Because we rely on our cell phones to get important emails and to run our businesses, to check facts that we need to know. I am constantly forgetting how many quarts in a gallon and how many cups in a quart. <laughs> so I'm guilty of the same thing. What would we ever do without Google? to help us with every facet in our lives. And oh, the things I hear you can learn from TikTok. (laughs) 
The key in balancing it all, I believe, is to take President M. Russell Ballard's advice when he taught that our digital devices, quote, need to be our servants, not our masters, end quote. There was a really insightful article in the Liahona last year called How to Manage Digital Devices and Get Your Family Back, and it was written by Jeff Storer. The author gave seven tips on how to manage our device time, and I highly recommend you read it. It was so, so good. The two suggestions that I liked the best were to establish digital-free zones and to turn off notifications. I think of the times we visit the temple. It's definitely a no-phone zone, right? And I believe that the lack of distractions and the focus we have on the important ordinances and covenants are in part why we can feel the Spirit so strongly in that holy place. So decide with your families. Is it at the dinner table, in the car, running errands so that you can visit before your day starts, maybe during your morning routine, or while enjoying tuck-in time? Make that decision as a family and enforce it as a family. I think that's a great suggestion. It just hit me as I'm concluding my thoughts on this point that to connect can correct. So I'm going to work on my connections as well. The third and last point on my list is to listen to God, the parent with all the answers. Now we can do this through meditating on or after our prayers, when we're hearing him speak to us through the words of the scriptures or by the voice of his servants, the prophets. Now, I'm sure I've mentioned this bookshelf in my office before, the one that is filled almost completely with parenting, marriage, and instructional church books written by various authors. Now, I've actually put a lot of those in storage now, but needless to say, I took my role as mother so seriously, especially in the beginning. I read almost every book I could get my hands on. I studied, studied, studied every theory, tried to learn everything I could from the experts, and I did learn some very valuable tools. But most of the time, I'd take a tidbit or two from the pages and tuck them into my parenting tool belt and let the rest go if they didn't seem to apply or resonate with me or my circumstances. I just wish I would have remembered more the wise counsel given by Elder Boyd K. Packer in 1986. Quote, true doctrine understood changes attitudes and behavior. The study of the doctrines of the gospel will improve behavior quicker than a study of behavior will improve behavior. That is why we stress so forcefully the study of the doctrines of the gospel. End quote. Boom. There it is. God is the parent that has all the answers. Why then wouldn't we turn to him before all the seeming experts the world has to offer? In 2 Nephi 9, 28 and 29, it seems to be saying the same thing. At least that's what I hear. Quote, Oh, that cunning plan of the evil one. Oh, the vainness and the frailties and the foolishness of men. When they are learned, they think they are wise, and they hearken not unto the counsel of God, for they set it aside, supposing they know of themselves. Wherefore, their wisdom is foolishness, and it profiteth them not, and they shall perish. But to be learned is good if they hearken unto the counsels of God. End quote. I wish I could have done better in that regard and taken less advice from the world and sought more counsel from the Lord's hand when it came to parenting. Now, when I type in the word parenting on the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints website, 252 articles pop up just under that heading. Most of them are conference addresses, so we have so many resources to study and learn from when trying to become the best parents we can be. When I turn to the scriptures, I learn, quote, train up a child in the way he should go, end quote. That's 
found in Proverbs 22.6. And I want to add here that it, we need to do that not just in words, but also in actions, maybe even more importantly, in actions. Another one in Doctrine and Covenants 93, verse 44, quote, In some things you have not kept the commandments concerning your children. Therefore, first set in order thy house, end quote. And then one that we're all familiar with that I'm going to bring up, even though if we're not careful, this one can be a spark in the mom guilt fire, is found in Matthew 5, 48, quote, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect, end quote. Now, here's the truth. None of us were raised by perfect parents. None of us will be perfect parents. And none of us have raised perfect parents. Then to add insult to injury, none of us have perfect grandparents. And none of us will be perfect grandparents. Such is the human condition. Such is the need for God's grace. I love Elder Jeffrey R. Holland's talk titled, Be Ye Therefore Perfect, Eventually. You've probably run through this talk already over the past few weeks because it's been included in our study of the Doctrine and Covenants. But I love it. I so, so love it in application to what we're talking about here. So listen to these words through the lens of a parenting perspective. Quote, while we can't earn true perfection, the grace of Christ offers us salvation from our own persistent self-criticism. Except for Jesus, there have been no flawless performances on this earthly journey we are pursuing. So while in mortality, let's strive for steady improvement without obsessing over what behavioral scientists call toxic perfectionism. In the conclusion of this talk, he says, Every one of us aspires to a more Christ-like life than we often succeed in living. If we admit that honestly and are trying to improve, we're not hypocrites. We're human. If we persevere, then somewhere in eternity, our refinement will be finished and complete, which is the New Testament meaning of perfection. End quote. That's in that talk, Be Ye Therefore Perfect Eventually, which was in General Conference October 2017. I highly recommend you visit that talk if you haven't. Like so many other life-vexing dilemmas, it seems Christ is the answer. Because of the love of my Savior, Jesus Christ, I can be delivered from the discouragement of mommy guilt. I'll be able to muddle my way through my mistakes and be healed from the hurts others have inflicted, and He can comfort and strengthen those I could have done better with. Because of Him, I get to keep trying as a mom and now grandmother to improve and do better. Like I said in my fourth episode of this podcast called Uniquely You, I may not have been enough of what my children needed from their mother as they were growing up. I may not be now. But Christ is more than enough for both of us, and His grace will make up for all the should-haves, incomplete wanted-tos, and areas that even my best intentions fell short. His grace is sufficient. If you look up the definition of sufficient, it reads, Adjective, adequate, enough. His grace is enough. Did you hear that? Even when I'm not. So when I yoke myself to Him, He can help me carry this parent load. For His yoke is easy and His burdens are light, and I can find rest to my mom's soul. Matthew eleven twenty nine thirty. 30. Not 
not quoted perfectly. (laughs) I can promise you from the vantage point of now 30 years of parenting that true joy does await parents who, despite the overwhelming challenge, never retreat from their commitment to their call. For, like Nephi, I know that the Lord, quote, giveth no commandments unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them that they may accomplish the thing which he commandeth them, end quote. Just as I mentioned in the beginning, I'm seeing clearly as my children raise their own families where I could have done better as their mother, but I also get to see with equal clarity how amazing our kids have turned out despite my own imperfections and shortcomings. I also recognize through a lot of experience and some maturity (laughs) that I don't get to own my children's experiences or their journeys. I understand now why my bestie Lana wanted me to read the book, I Don't Have to Make Everything All Better by Gary Lundberg. It's fabulous and I highly recommend it. Wink, wink, wink. Yes, Lana, I have it on Audible right now. (laughs) The title alone speaks volumes and I can see only now as I put these thoughts together that the guilt I experienced then and continue to feel occasionally didn't contribute in the least to the people these amazing children became. It only hinders my ability to enjoy the experience. So love your kids. Give yourself permission and admit to them that you're not perfect, but you're doing your best. And that gives them permission to do the same. I can't tell you how many times I told my kids when they were growing up, I don't know why I was chosen to be the mom. I don't know why, but God trusted me with you. And guess what? He trusts you too. So listen to the mom or dad heart that he gave you on your children's behalf. Listen to your children. Connect with them. To connect can correct. And listen to God, the parent with all the answers. He promised us in John 14 that he would never leave us comfortless. And I can't think of a promise I'll hold tighter to when I consider my divine and sacred responsibility as a parent. I hope as you spend the next week reflecting on these thoughts that you too can just let go of the guilt and enjoy the journey. Have a great week and I'm super, super, super excited to be again, to be with you again next week. (laughs) 